Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the marketing minds at DUConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peake. We're here elevating the conversation. I forgot that you said that. And this is episode number 42, and Becca is also here. So exciting. Hi, everyone. You're just the third time host, or the you're, you're host number three <laughs> until Jackie returns yeah. from maternity leave. So yeah, baby land. They choose to fail. Jackie's not building a house. You have a lot more interesting things to talk about. I'm just kidding, Jackie. The baby's important. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very important. Sleeping right now, hopefully for her. Yeah. Well, this is the official holiday episode. You guys got any big plans <laughs> to... Uh... No big plans over here. We are, you know, everyone's local. So we're just driving from this house to this house to that house. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what? Let's skip the plans. I want to know okay. what's the big no Christmas gift for the... What, what's the big Christmas gift for the Peak household this year? Um, Don't let your kids listen to the episode. There we go. Well, I guess <laughs> the big one would be uh, Carson is getting a Switch. I guess it's everybody, but a Nintendo Switch. Uh-huh. Because it's interesting. So I'm sure there's... We need... I need to read Influence again. You could only get Mario, Nintendo games right on the switch uh-huh. he has an xbox right. this is totally first world don't judge me anybody he has an xbox <laughs> roblox minecraft there's certain games he plays on there and he's he loves them um but nintendo switch all the youtubers that he likes to follow and watch he knows them by name for some reason they'll like do the gameplay throughs and mario odyssey is only available on switch so he's seen this game for like i don't know over a year i think mm-hmm. and so yeah he's finally getting one finally. so we'll see I, I don't know i'll play it too oh, that's great it's it's like the only system that you can play almost everything that's on it with your kids you know, it's age appropriate for them. Mm-hmm. So you'll, you'll, well, that's you'll have a blast. Cool. Yeah. A lot of good yeah. couch co-op games there. <laughs> What's the big Christmas gift in the Palin household, Becca? Well, oh Dan is getting a couple of Japanese knives. He likes to Ooh. have really nice kitchen okay. knives. So, so these are not the ones that are come pre-packaged when you buy something else as seen on TV. These are like no. real. Yeah, they have. I'm you can nervous. see the folds in the steel. Oh my, okay. Yes, that's the big yes. thing, right? Uh, how many times the steel has been cooled yeah. and reheated? And yes. So interesting. Might be some missing fingers over the next month. No, or he's two. pretty good at that, good. keeping his digits. So good. Well, yeah, and actually, actually say that continues. it's safer. Right, a sharper knife. It is, is safer. safer. I was just going to say that a sharp yeah. knife is safer. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. How about at your Fine. household? Yeah. The kids went over. We were at someone else's house, and unbeknownst to us, they got on a hoverboard downstairs. They'd never been oh, no. on one before ever. Uh oh. And oh, no. when we cut, went downstairs to, to pick them up before we left, they're riding the hoverboard at extreme rates of speed around <laughs> a ping pong table. <laughs> with no helmets oh no and, like crouching down and trying to get two people on the board at the same time and they're like we have to have one of these for christmas so it's making my um, face you're getting them a hoverboard from segway right. and it has controls on the app you can limit the speed per like, the rider to like shorten it to two miles an hour it has a little bar that comes up so mason our four-year-old will be able to kind of hold on to that like a uh, handlebars mm-hmm. for, oh, okay, the, for avery our oldest it the bar kind of helped when you lean side to side it helps know what you're trying to do on the board it's just supposed to be the gotcha. more stable it like touches uh, your safer knees, version like. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah kind of lean with it versus only turning yep so they're gonna get one of those to share amongst all four of them so i know there will be tears on christmas day because yes. the recharge time is like an hour and a half or something <laughs> there will be tears well that'll be fun does That's it awesome. stop working if they're not wearing a helmet uh, unfortunately no oh, that would be man. a cool modification but you know what the coolest thing is that i'm thinking about for myself already i'm planning for next 
year is you can buy a mod kit for this particular one oh. and turn it into a go-kart. Yes. And oh. so then it unlocks the speed. It goes up like another up to like 20 miles an hour, I think. And it's wow. like full on, you know, Mario Kart looking Big thing. It's, it's running around awesome. the neighborhood, which your mm-hmm. your neighborhood would be perfect at. Yes. It's like you're like, yes. There's not like cars. Like we're on the beach right now and it would not be very safe to go anywhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Cars yeah. It's fun for the whole yeah. family. Nice. 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 Well, nice. hopefully everyone listening has a fantastic holiday. This is, again, the official holiday episode. And this is the only part of the episode that's going to feel like holiday. So <laughs> now it's back to business as usual, which means story time. Uh, Becca, why don't we start with you? What's the latest this, on the house? This morning we had our pre-construction meeting. It hey, su- it happened. Yeah, it did. Uh, it was super easy to go through all the paperwork. It was quick. And then the rain held off long enough for us to go visit the mud pit where our house will be. And nice. everything was looking pretty nice. Beautiful mud pit. I, I saw it on Instagram. Look great. <laughs> you said something that makes me nervous. I have to be honest. You said a quick pre-construction meeting. Did you review yes. the blueprints and everything? Or did they just yes. say, hi, here's how to contact? Tell, it's kind of because some marketers listening, I'm sure, have sure. never been to a pre-construction meeting, have no idea what that entails. So I give us a had, quick summary. I had never been to one before as a marketer. But oh, so we yeah. went through all the selections with the colors that we picked and all the um, oh, gosh. Uh, options that we selected for structural. And then we looked at the plans and made sure all those options were on there. We looked at the electrical plans to make sure all the outlets and extra can lights were where they were supposed to be. Good. And then we looked at um, the things that we upgraded to make sure that they were all correct and everything was correct and everything was highlighted hmm. and everything was good. Awesome. So That's roughly cool. how long total do you think? Oh, half an hour. I was expecting wow, that... an hour. Okay. Yeah. And it could just be, you know, most of my time was spent with a custom slash semi custom home builder. And yeah. so we would tell our customers that most of the time plan on about a two hour experience of going through all the selections, the paperwork, you know, how the system's going to run, timelines and expectations, all that good stuff, about two hours. So yeah. I'm glad to hear you checked all the major boxes, it sounds like, but that you were, yeah. you were trucking. Yeah. Our uh, our builder had done all the homework and highlighted everything on, everything on the plans yeah, to make sure it was all there and um, double checked it. And they had originally had us as a right garage and flipped us to their left garage, which is actually better. So then he made sure everything was still there and went over all the all the things. So yeah, it was good. Fun. Awesome. And before we switch over to Andrew, for those of you who don't know why you would switch a handing of a garage from one side of the house to the other, it has to do with a little thing called drainage, making sure that when it does rain, that water doesn't go in towards your garage, but away from it. Uh, yes. Pretty important. And it was <laughs> really um, way better too, because the master is off the back of the garage. So mm-hmm. when we flipped it to left, it made it more private because there's no neighbors on that side. Awesome. Good. Yeah. You, you don't so. need lines or anything now on those windows. Um, too late. Katie. We already put no. them on there. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew, you didn't sound too excited when she said that you're going to go over all of your color selections one more time. What's going on with your house? I know. Well, well we yesterday did the uh, design studio appointment. It was great. Took the entire day. Um, it was fun. And then I, I'll try to keep it short. I put a bunch on my Instagram. We're going to bed last night. Um, or maybe it's more the evening. I don't know. Whenever it was. But Lindsay, my wife, is like, I think I want to change the 
floors. Like, no, no. We looked at the floors for like an hour and a half. You know, there's certain things like during the whole appointment, like we're picking everything. Um, the time consuming ones is was floors and countertops. Um, for the most part, everything else was just yes, no. How many of these? Check, check, check. That was that was super easy. But the floors, we looked at tons of them. And of course, countertops and floors, the variances in choices and cost is quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I'm like, we're going to do the floors again. Neat. But I think we're settled. Let's zone in on the cost thing because that was one of the things you mentioned last time of, you know, the sales rep had told you a number that was double or slightly over double. Mm-hmm. Did you find what what types of selections made you question the pricing and which ones did you say, yeah, that makes sense? Um, So the floor still doesn't, it still makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. But I haven't paid for floors. So I think there's that bias where like mm-hmm. most of the other things I've purchased and have done on my own, um, whereas floors I have not. And with the, with the house, so all the wet areas included is tile, but it's just like a square tile, 17 by 17, pretty mm-hmm. cheap. I assume their cost on it is, is very minimal. And then the rest of the bigger areas are carpet and that's what's included. Um, so for us, we're like, we don't want any carpet downstairs, which is 1,400 feet. Uh-huh. So it's, so we're almost starting from nothing as far as if they're providing the credit or the cost of what was already included against what the upgrade yeah. cost is. So we're yeah. like, we could go to courts, you know, and granite's included. So going to like a level three courts or level five is like $700, $800. Like it wasn't that much money. Mm-hmm. And then like to get the floor, like that's that really, that's $10,000. What? It's only half yeah. the house. Like if we want to do the whole house and that is going to be 22 or we're like, that's, that's a lot. That's yeah. That's it is but hard. I think it's that much. Kind of. It's hard because um, the amount of labor involved in going from one countertop to another is almost nil. Yeah. And so I think smart Correct. home builders will do exactly what you describe and they they want you to feel like you you won or, or try to gain some goodwill on almost every other part of the house when it comes to a, a, an option or upgrade that is more superficial or not, not structural. Yep. The cost of the good, which is what you know from having done it yourself, is only about mm-hmm. a third of what the home builder is going to have to pay on their cost. So usually yeah. a round rule of thumb is two thirds of that cost for them is going to be in labor getting that that yep. hardwood floor installed, Makes which sense. would be much harder to do and more time intensive than carpet, you know, just throw down some oh. tax strips and roll it out. So, Definitely. but that doesn't mean there still aren't gouging you. It just, that's a little bit more of the background no. to it. Yeah, it's just, and it makes sense. And there's some things where um, I was not impressed or blunt. Like I was just like, oh, I really didn't expect it to be that, that minimal. Um, yeah. Like you said you the, weren't thinking you were going to go with a backsplash tile. Did you end up getting one? It looked like you did. I did. I did. And that's where like we had the, the sales agent on site, crazy pricing, like extremely inaccurate. She's crazy. And then we and then we had the preview <laughs> night where they gave, they knew who we were. They knew what floor plan, they knew community. So they had some idea. And the person that we actually did the preview night with, she was our design consultant yesterday. So same person. Oh, nice. So she had rough numbers, but then it, it seemed like she was giving us more what people actually spent at the design preview night versus when we came to the actual selections, we saw the real numbers. So like backsplashes for the preview night were like around thousand. And she mentioned subway tile, thousand. Mm, that seems a little crazy because subway tile typically not like glass mosaic subway whatever like it's not that that's crazy and then we get there just like oh well that the white basic one that one is only 400 and then the highest end might be like closer to 2000 for the like the really intricate ones which are hard to grout yep. mosaic but it was yeah it was it was fun but it took a while and then then Lindsay, my wife she doesn't work with builders or anything she was just blown away like why can't we see this on an ipad why can't we see this on a computer like this seems like i've seen this out there um not like yeah. every little thing like hey here's well and again without going towards the rendering and visualization side which is obviously something the builder should be looking into i think it's also just interesting that they didn't have even just an internal like Flickr account or some type of yeah. Amazon photos or like, like here's this hardwood floor houses. installed somewhere else. So just you can get a sense of how the pattern may look. And again, sometimes that scares builders because they think you're going to hold them exactly to whatever it is that they see, but just have Im- representative images of that type of flooring in particular. I know it was a hard one for you to visualize. It's just strange that there wasn't anything else beyond that sample for you to see. I agree. And their site was very hard to find. And, and we actually found that going on Instagram, searching by the building. 
builder's name as a hashtag was the easiest way to find images, which is crazy. I'm looking at the, the pro builder <laughs> housing giants rankings and they had right at 11,000 uh, closings in 2017. Yep, yep. So I'm like, they, they built a few houses. Like it should be, should be there. I should have some pictures. I was just thinking about our team. And I think now once you guys are done with your build, the only person on the do you convert team that will not be living in a new construction home built within the last, you know, four or five years will be Jen Barkin. So Jen, it's your turn next. Just oh, yeah. Jen's up next. Maybe, maybe a builder wants to sponsor that for her. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah, let's uh, do it. Okay, well, I'll, I'll keep my story uh, short as well. I want to talk briefly about the difference between online cost per lead and offline cost per lead and those numbers changing and, and why they are changing. All December long, I've been working with the builder partners that, that we uh, partner with. Uh-huh. And looking at their <laughs> final spending for 2018 is, and looking at their cost per lead, planning for 2019, talking about cost per lead breakout by channel, offline, online. And because of the way that we talk about setting up your budgets, where you th- you should start to think about photography and renderings and all these other things that a, a lot of builders will put into a an offline category. In our budgeting process, we encourage builders to think about, no, that is that photography that you're taking is used primarily for the website because that's where more people are going to see it and interact with it. And if it happens to be used offline in a model home or somewhere else, that's great and on a flyer or a, uh, a brochure. But its primary purpose is online. So we budget it and think about it that way. And an interesting thing that we've noticed going through this process this year is that in the past, online cost per lead was significantly lower than the offline. You know, it would be very common to hear someone say, my online cost per lead is 25 to 100 bucks. And my offline is, you know, 100, 200, $300 more than the online. And that's no longer really the case for most of the builders that, that we're working with around the country. And the reason is because online is doing more and more of the work. And maybe just to clarify, when I say online cost per lead, I mean, we know with 100% certainty that when they got inputted into the CRM system that they came from an online source. They either called the online salesperson from the website or it went from the, the lead form straight into the CRM. And so, yes, that there is that caveat of offline cost per lead. Well, sure, they walked in the model home, but the likelihood is that the vast majority of those people who do that still have been on the website and it's part of their journey. So I understand it's not cut and dry, but that, that big difference that used to be there is no longer. And the reason for that is that online used to kind of piggyback on everything else that was being done. And so all that was really in that calculation was your Google ads, maybe some remarketing display and your website. And that, that's all there was. It's just interesting to watch some people's reaction to those numbers being closer is, whoa, then my online program must not be working. The reality is, no, you're just allocating more and more resources appropriately yep. to the yeah. online space. So I just thought that was an interesting trend that we're seeing and just wanted to share that in case you are also doing those calculations. Do you think that trend is going to continue? Like say in five years, the cost for absolutely online is going to be it, twice as much? But yeah. It'll kind of be what it is. Like that, if that's what it is, that's what it is, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, but it's it's going like, to it's gonna continue that way for a couple of reasons. One, because even the offline, this is the part that drives me crazy because I don't know a good answer for this, but the offline conversion numbers, meaning the walk-in traffic that's going into our model homes around the country, mm-hmm. because there's fewer of them every year, roughly 10 to 15% fewer of them, you would imagine that the quality of those, maybe, I mean, I think it's reasonable that the quality of those folks walking in should be higher because again, most of them have probably still been heavily exposed to all the information online. And yet the conversion rate on those has stayed roughly the same. Uh, we're not seeing those dramatically increase. And so I've had this conversation also, people who are really concerned about the drop in walk-in traffic. And when we analyze their two different pathways slash funnels of online and offline, it's mm-hmm. like the, the offline traffic just isn't converting into sales at the same numbers as online. So why do we want more of them? I like, don't. Yeah. That, you think you'd want less of them. Like, <laughs> let's get more of those other people that are yeah. probably more educated on our product, did more research. And that's why they're, because once they do reach out there, they 
know more already, maybe, than when they show up at the model, like, hey, let's go there today, or they're driving by. However, those people just show up at the model. They don't know as much well, versus other people already know there's six floor plans, and here's the square foot range, here's I, the pricing. I think maybe. millennials are much more likely and used to interacting with people online. So as millennials take over the marketplace, you're going to get less and less people who just walk in, and you're going to get more and more of people who are used to doing all their research, talking to everybody online, and then setting up an appointment to see somebody in person so they know they get a real person on the first try instead of having to go out, look at things, come back another day. I totally agree with you. But when I think about, again, I back my time in Heartland, this is no longer um, secretive information, right? Because it was back in 2006, <laughs> 2005. It was very common between our 24 or so communities in the central Ohio area. We would have weekly walk-in traffic numbers of somewhere around 120 to 175 wow. people. And wow. now just imagining that that number is probably closer to like 35, 40, yeah, yeah, around the, so. roughly the same number of communities. And so shouldn't yeah. that, if we're not getting a larger percentage of those people to convert, that there's something wrong there, I feel like, because that millennial who is less likely to want to just walk out, if they do, like I think about myself, if I show up in a retail store, yeah. it's because I'm really motivated. Like I'm so impatient. I don't want to even wait. I, I'm doing the, like I could drive there and just see it in 15 minutes or I could reach out online and maybe connect with someone and learn a little bit more, but I just want to go there. And it, I don't know why, but I, f- I feel like um, that number should be should be getting better. So that's the other, just the people who are really concerned about the drop in walking traffic. I think what they're really concerned about is the drop in mindset and excitement from their sales team who is not yes. seeing as many people to interact with. And how do I solve that problem? I was going to say that it yeah. sounds very lonely being a salesperson these days on site at the model. Of course, they have appointments. Right? So the people that are more of their time is spent with better buyers, I would assume, than previously. But they're seeing a quarter with, if they've been in the industry in a while, quarter to half what they used to see. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. But then, you know, what do you do with that extra time then? You still have the appointments for sure, but that extra time should be filled with fantastic, amazing personal follow-up. And, yes. And yet that's not what most salespeople are excited and want to do. And maybe even in some senses, we're spoiling them. We have builders whose 70% of their sales come from a scheduled appointment from an online salesperson. Some as high as 77. I just saw it today wow. for the year. Oh, wow. And so now when that person walks percent. in, is there now this kind of reverse effect of when we when Mike uh, first was working with the online sales programs, it was hard to get salespeople excited about those appointments. And now it's almost it's like it's hard to get them excited about the walk-in traffic, even, partly because it's low volume. It doesn't happen very often. And partly because the online salesperson is sending me what I need and those people know more and are better qualified. And, you know, it's just, it's going to continue to shift. But that was just one, uh, that, that short story went long, but that was good, good discussion. Um, very interesting. I won't say the builder's name on yeah. this one too, but there's one sales agent out of Central Texas and he does story time. And he has all the pictures, do you know which one I'm referencing? Uh-huh. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Story time with Bo? Yeah, story time with Bo. Like his stuff is amazing. And that's what, I mean, not everyone's going to be funny. Not everyone can be that type of personality, um, but that type of follow-up. Imagine like these story, who buys from, whoever buys from Bo, I'm sure at least five people that interact with that person that bought knows about Bo. Mm-hmm. Has heard a story like, we got this sales agent. He's crazy. Look at the stuff he sends us. Yeah. Like, we're so excited versus opposite. Like, yeah, we got this weird person who gave me really inaccurate pricing. I don't know. I hope she isn't there when we move in because it's really awkward. Um, all that, you know, the opposite <laughs> yeah. story. So I think. No, that, that's a great point just in terms of sales and marketing working together because right. yeah. Bo is taking the content and then sending it to marketing and they are working it into the story format for Instagram. And so mm-hmm. they're, they're partnering together and that is, we're going to go even longer because you just remind me of something else awesome, which is going enthusiasm. When you, when you have that extra time in the model home as you're, and you have the sales team who doesn't have as many things to do potentially during the day as they used to, get them more involved in market research and competitive analysis and, and not just the quick, I looked up on the MLS and here's the information, but getting out there and visiting yeah. uh, an actual home or two, doing true apples to apples comparisons. 
there's just a lot of ways that sales and marketing partner together uh, more deeply than, than potentially you are now too. Okay, that's officially yeah, story time over. Um, news <laughs> beginning. Done. I imagine by now almost everyone has, this has definitely been a huge win for Google, this uh, Macaulay Culkin yes. back now as a, an adult, but the, the redo of the Home Alone ad, I'll link in the show notes if you ha- for some reason haven't seen it yet. But um, what do you guys think about this one? This was just from a marketer's marketing standpoint, generally, it hit all the boxes, I think. It did. Um, for yeah. me, I think what like the, what I was thinking about it from the marketing lens was, so this movie came out in 1990. I just looked up on Ion, not Ion, what am I saying? IMDb. IMDb. I'm thinking about another local news source that's interesting here. Anyways, and so using that movie versus say another movie in the demographic, like that was, I think that was either a bonus they didn't realize, but like everyone who would share that video grew up knowing that movie, like without a doubt. Yeah. Like, I don't know if my parents know that being in their, in their piece, but I know it. I think every millennial I'm knows sure it, they know it. Has seen it. If you watched it, they watched yep. it. And they, well, hopefully you never know. But I think that choice was like, <laughs> okay, that's, that's genius. Um, yeah. That was my big takeaway. Yeah. Marketing it's, side. it's definitely a nostalgic uh, mm-hmm. choice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think the nostalgic is awesome. It's the right, I, I'm sure they did think about it. You know, one of the tricks that I was taught, gosh, a long time ago was try to think of a popular song from the time period when your target market was younger and then oh, yeah. try to rework that headline. And back in the day when I did billboards, I did this all the time with U2. I took the, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I redid the headline yeah. to, you finally found what you're looking for and show the the home and the community information. But there's something for sure, if you can tie into those nostalgic things, especially with music and that, you know, when you hear that music start in the in the Google ad, yep. you're like, okay, that, you're right back there. there. You're yep. watching that movie for the first time again. And mm-hmm. it, it integrated it well. So it wasn't just using that attention and then diverting down a completely different path. It was using Google Home the right way, you know, to showcase what it can do. So it was it was not just nostalgic, but it was telling the story about the features and benefits of using Google Home. So yeah, they definitely was, won the internet cool. over the past couple of days. Yeah. They did. And it's an app. Yes. So it's even better. Even better. All over the place. Yeah. And that, it is that's cool. the last thing that I thought about this morning, uh, waking up, drinking my coffee was there, a lot of people will say, you know, you never know it's going to go viral. I feel like if this was Vegas, we could all put bets on this one going viral. And that, yeah. Oh, yeah. that just to say, you don't, you may not have a big budget um, as the marketing manager and a smaller builder. If you take the time and really think things through, you absolutely can create some viral. It's just most of us don't have the time to do that well. And so we try to just yeah. use raw dollars or to, to overcome the lack of creativity. But uh, someone put a lot of time in this and it was intentionally created from the get-go to go viral. What's interesting is if you, so this is, I don't know if it's the same team that did the YouTube rerun 2018 video. Oh yeah. That? Uh-huh. that was a great. The of, officially the most disliked video on YouTube, huh. which is hilarious. <laughs> that is funny. Um, because it's all YouTube people. Like it's, it's what makes up YouTube, uh-huh. not YouTube, YouTubers. And then also what was popular, um, but people hated it. I think it's because it was just, this is cheesy. This is corny. This is whatever. If it's the same creative team that did this video that everyone loves and then the other one, which everyone hated. Um, no, yeah, then this may be boring to everybody listening, but I think the reason people would hate that it was too in your face. Like it, it's almost, yeah. if you think about the message behind the message that they were trying to communicate, it was like, we're controlling your life. Like you may or may not realize it, but what's on YouTube is what you talk about and we're in control here. And that's not a pleasant yeah. thought to think that you're being controlled so overtly no. by something that, you know, shows videos of people dressed in fox masks in the dark in the forest. I mean, it's just, I, I don't think that's a, it's like whenever we're reminded about how much Facebook, Amazon, and Google know about us to different degrees, mm-hmm. we all have a, a, some version of the reaction of, I don't love that. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I this like one it. was much more, yeah. it was fully integrated and it, and it wasn't talking about the user. It was talking yes. about 
if Google had existed when that movie was originally done. These are the kind of things it would have been used for. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Um, next one up here is from the good folks at Buzz Buzz Home. Uh, we're going to have an interview with the founder and president of the company here in a couple of weeks, but this one cracked nice. me up too. Um, it's just a summary of all the like rather extreme with a capital X promotions yes. that home builders and developers are running around the country. And yeah, these go beyond anything that I was aware was happening. Yeah. And these are mostly right? condos. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I don't know what you would call it. There's got to be a big word for it. New York City, big markets. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't, this, what was this one? I came with a Lamborghini, a Bentley. Um, oh, there's yes. a whole list of cars. Let's see. Let's see. Keep it going. Was, oh, then let's take it to too... space. No big deal. Take yeah. it to space. <laughs> On the, um, no big two deal. Two phantoms. Yeah. Two phantoms and a ticket phantom. to space care yeah. of um, Virgin Galactic, right? I think. Yep. yep. Yes. A yacht. Yeah. Mm. Yep, and Hell's yeah. A million dollar yacht with docking fees for five years. That's amazing. That's a lot. Because <laughs> the docking fees are like more than the Wouldn't million you just say yacht. like buy one, get one or something at that point? Something. I don't know. I, the only thing I could think of is they're keeping this. It's 85, but maybe you could actually buy that for 60. So they're keeping it exclusive, but it's all exclusive at that price If point. you don't haggle, you get all of these but this things. Is like but the if you haggle, you don't. Of the elite, of the elite. And then another percent above that or something. I don't know. This is like this beyond. This is 0.25%. Yeah, well, that that is the, you know, as simple as a push of a button, you get a condo about all these cars. It's like, you know, I live right now in Japan or China or Russia or something, and I just want to have everything that I have over here, over there in one sale, one transaction. Maybe that works. I don't even understand the legality of how you yeah. include that many other things I in a real know. estate transaction, but I guess these people are most likely paying cash. The other one that was interesting was a Miami developer mm-hmm. who is offering um, use of a oh. helipad for Uber and Airbus flying vehicles for folks. <laughs> Uh, Once that happens. That one's good. I like it. Yeah, but this is this was <laughs> a great entertainment piece that kind of also highlights the, what a lot of builders have been asking, which is just, should we be using promotions? Are people using promotions? Generally, no. Outside of very small markets or high price points like this story, I am very glad to say that I am not seeing a lot of home builders using promotions in their advertisements to try to drive more traffic. Yeah. And even yep. the ones that are, when I've talked to them individually from larger home building organizations uh, around the country, they're like, we're doing it. It doesn't really bring in anymore. Uh, we're just doing it because the owner makes us. So uh, <laughs> the you know, makes us. advertising promotions just sets people up to ask, uh, what's, what else can I get? You know, you're training yeah. your consumer. In fact, I was rewatching a special about how hotels price their units. And the gentleman from Marriott, I think it was, they, he was asked by the interviewer, if a room is $300 rate online and someone walks in and says, I'll take that room right now for 200, would you do it? And his response, he didn't even hesitate. He said, absolutely not. And the reason reason is that we are doing two things bad. And there's an actual term they use called slippage. There is slippage there on the perceived value of the, of the unit. And we're teaching people mm-hmm. not to book in advance, that there is a potential that if there is availability, if you show up and don't reserve ahead of time, that you're going to get a better price. So that was a double negative for them of we're not going to get it booked in advance and know that we have the room reserved. And they know that there uh, there's an ability to get a discount. And I just was like, man, that guy needs to go work for one of the top three builders in the country and help them understand yeah. <laughs> how this works. That was, that was brilliant. Yeah, I feel like any promotions would just change your time frame on when you like it would just create that variable of like, well, maybe we should wait. Interesting. Any just like, hey, and you didn't we'll go through this, but that's exactly what happened that caused part of the downturn, the Great Recession in home building. Is the market actually turned, Andrew, in two thousand five and two thousand six? There was a softening, and yeah. then everyone mm-hmm. came out with these mortgage programs that were so amazing that it it pulled people up and got them to buy a year or two before they really should have. But the payment was so low, how yeah. could you say no? And so then there was a double, triple whammy of 
of people who paid more for a house than it actually was worth. Then you had people who they had just moved already and also probably got a house that wasn't what worth what they paid for it, but it was just such an attractive thing that the, there was not demand for the homes. It's all so clear now. Yeah. <laughs> that, make, but that, that, that makes sense. Well, I mean, yeah, like adjustable rate mortgage and all that type of stuff. And then, yeah, yeah now I want to rewatch what's the movie with Steve Rowell that was on the crash? Oh, The Big you Short. The Big Short. Yeah, yeah. it's a good movie. Uh, the movie is good and the book's okay. I There is, it's an hour long episode of This American Life called The Problem of Too Much Money. I'll try to find a link to it. It's the best Ooh. explanation oh, yeah. I've ever heard about why all of this happened. And it's, the I think, an hour, hour and a half radio program. Fantastic. You should, if you haven't been yeah. through it, especially, you should you should listen to it and understand what was happening. I'll right. definitely watch that. Good time over the break. Yeah, let's get uh, let's get techie. Yeah. We haven't we haven't had a whole lot of techies techie geek no, talk here. So the last real article of the week Ooh. is from Search Engine Land. Google's mobile first indexing now powers over half of Google's search results. That's important. That's awesome. That's good. That's um. We talked about it when was this like two months ago? I think when they made the switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people started getting notifications from Google Search Console. Your site's now mobile first, index first. Da, 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 da. They're like, okay, cool. I still don't. What really does know that, that mean? Means. What does it mean? <laughs> uh, it, it means that your mobile content is what they will index and rank you first. So you better have a good site. Yes, good site. <laughs> if you're hiding everything, like not like view more, and it's actually there, and that's just JavaScript to make it actually show the full paragraph instead of um, like two sentences. But if you're removing content blocks, like it's not there on mobile, um, that would be not very yeah. good. That'd be bad SEO. Because then when Google's reading the site mobile first, they're going, "Oh, cool. Here's a map. Here's a logo. Where's the words? Like, what what is this page about versus on desktop? If yeah. it's completely different, like new homes." throughout Tampa Bay, we build in communities da, 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 and say 500 words for Google to figure out what homepage is about in each page of your website. I think the most interesting sentence in here was that Google says you should pay attention to your structured data and alt text for images on mobile pages with this change. The structured data yes. part, pretty complex discussion, maybe for another day, but the alt text in, for is. images is one where that one's easy for us to explain real quick. You know, If you are showing the picture of a kitchen in the, of a Stanford model at Happy Acres, your alt Alt text could say kitchen dash Stanford dash Happy Acres or new homes in Happy Acres or new homes in submarket dash Happy Acres. Something that makes more sense than 02391 underscore lowercase a b c two dot JPEG. Yes. That JPEG, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All caps, PNG, definitely. It's easy to, to fix and it makes such a big impact. Easy individually. If you've got 3,000 yes. pictures, right? Massive. Yeah. It's, it takes time, but it's not. it does One not take money. Yeah, not money. Yeah, that's a good thing to do when... I don't even know when you're waiting for your coffee. <laughs> just commit. Each time the coffee's being made, I want to spend five minutes to yep. do some alt images. Next thing you know, you're done. Three years later. <laughs> All right. That'll do it. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with this week's 360 topic of the week. Online sales counselor, straight talk. back with this week's 360 Topic of the Week, OSC Straight Talk with Andy Gotsman from MI Homes. Andy, thanks for being here. Happy to be here. Thanks for in having me. In my office, yeah. in my house. I'm jealous because I'm all the way, <laughs> however many miles away down in sunny Florida. We're not cold anymore, so I can't complain about that. But uh, yeah, jealous. Yeah, it's only the awesome. third time that we've had a in-person recording. Uh, you came to my house, Andrew. Mm-hmm. That was fun. That was like and 11 had... p.m. at night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that one makes me tired just thinking Can we about go to it. bed? <laughs> uh, the second one was actually at the summit. Now, at the Andy. Summit. Yeah. This is a little bit of a bait yeah. and switch, though. So 
because Zillow's not here. So I thought I was going to get to play with a dog the whole time while I was right. doing this. Yeah, so. no, you will be. You'll still. Don't worry. You'll still be the first person from the outside who's interact with Zillow. Okay, yeah. a dog. That we do have to clarify that. That is the only confusing part about having a dog whose stage name is Zillow. On Trademark. You have to say Zillow the dog anytime. You say Zillow, right? Exactly. That's the we way it works. And people are like, "How's Zillow?" I'm like, "Good. Why are you asking?" Zillow's uh, great. Your dog. Millions of people yeah. use it every day. <laughs> All the time. Uh, yeah, so so Andy's here. And if you remember, we had Sean Carpenter on uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And Andy is the one of the other members of the Dream Bean Breakfast Club here in Central Ohio, along with Bill Stat. Very exclusive. Uh, and Sean Carpenter. Yeah. So yes, awesome. if you are ever in Central Ohio on what, the second Friday of every month and you want to go to breakfast and eat pancakes, let me know. Or see yeah. Kevin eat eight pancakes. <laughs> that did I, happen once. I believe it. I believe it. What's the usual restaurant I'll go to or does it change each month? Well, we have branched out. Yeah, finally. Um, Andy, well, I think. Little responsible for pushing us in different directions. We, we t- typically go to First Watch. That's a good, okay. if you're going to go to a chain yeah. uh, pancake place, First Watch or Cracker Barrel are the two kind of go-tos for me. It's always good. And it's not like a greasy spoon vibe if you're familiar with that. Well, I, that's that's actually kind of nice. So that's Andy. What was that place? You, the best pancakes I've ever had. I mm-hmm. think, well, Pamela's in Pittsburgh is still my favorite. But where's the place we had that used a uh, donut batter? Yeah, DK Diner in Grandview. DK Diner uh, down in Grandview here has, uh, that was the most amazing pancake so literally donut, melted right? in my mouth and i was like i told the lady i was like what is this this is amazing she's like well we use donut batter which they're all they make a donut sandwich uh with eggs and bacon oh there goodness. too which was so the, is there like yeast in it or something like like a crispy cream no it's, donut, it's pretty or more thin. like a dunkin donut donut oh the I actual think? donut yeah it's yeast it's it's okay. a it's a it's a thick that's donut. like that sweetness wow sounds mm-hmm. delicious i yeah. have one of those now i'm hungry breakfast too will be after this podcast. yeah well you just need to be here on the second friday sometime andrew i know fly up it's end. it's there's i i don't know if there's any direct lights from tampa to Columbus. You think there would be? But oh the no, there is. Up, yeah, there on the Spirit be. Airline or Frontier okay. or one of those. Frontier. So fantastic. it should be cheap. I could just go up for the yeah. day. And there we go. All right. Well, on to on to <laughs> some good stuff. Here. And Andrew, you have not ever met Andrew Andy. technically. No, we've <laughs> interacted online a little bit. Yeah, just back yeah. and forth randomly over the past. Because Andy's been to the while. summit before, but that was right before you came on full time with us. So Correct, yeah. you guys passed like strangers in the night. Yeah. Um, and we have the same. <laughs> and you're both pretty awesome. Yeah. So let's let's jump into OSC Straight Talk Volume One. Yeah. Parental Advisory Explicit Content. No, there's not. So Andy, give me your background on what you do. Start from your story. Like, How did you get involved in real estate? Yeah, it's actually a kind of a random situation. Almost nine years ago, I was still in college at Ohio State. And this new thing called Facebook was coming into our <laughs> yeah. world. And um, MI Homes at the time didn't really have any sort of presence on Facebook or anything like that. And I was working as a college journalist. And one of the cool. mediums for getting our message out was Facebook. And so I not even paid ads, but literally just the idea of yeah. taking yeah. a link and putting it on Facebook. Facebook. That's all we really knew how to do. Um, And so at my home, somehow kind of saw my resume that was posted online and wanted to interview me to help me come in and figure out during a 10 week internship what how they could use Facebook to sell houses, which which is an ambitious goal for 10 years ago because people are still trying to figure that out today. So I did a summer internship where I kind of looked at what we were doing then and how we could figure out content into Facebook on and on and on. That then led to a an internship the following summer where I was really working on web content in the corporate level. And then there was an opportunity where um, the Columbus OSC was going on vacation for a couple of weeks. And the aforementioned Will Duderstadt and myself and one other uh, took the phones and the leads. And we had no idea what we were doing. Because again, this was 2011, 2012. Leads mm-hmm. in the process really wasn't a thing yet. And so we did it for three weeks and I fell in love with it. Just getting to talk to customers and really connecting that content that I'd been working so hard to get online to then actually talking to customers and 
getting them excited about it and setting appointments. And kind of my pinnacle moment was selling a house during this three week period of time just by answering the phone and calling a lead and setting up the appointment. So um, then fast forward to January 1st of that year, or like just a couple weeks later, she ended up taking an extended vacation because she was burning through her PTO before she was then going to be quitting. And the Columbus sales manager came (laughs) to me and said, Hey, uh, how do we don't know what to do? Who should we hire? And so I was like, I'll do it. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And so then they handed me a Blackberry on January 1st. And I said, I said, no, we're not going to take a Blackberry, get me an iPhone and then we can make this work. So that was my Uh, negotiating. You know, what's, what's great about that is, so you came more from the the content marketing net and then Mm -hmm. actually did what a lot of people would like to challenge marketers to do, which is talk to your own leads or like get involved with this process more in depth. And I've always enjoyed that too. I mean, I remember one of my favorite memories at Heartland was when um, someone went, had time off and I had to work at the design studio or our quasi design studio process they're working on and go and meet with customers and sell upgrades, electrical and and low voltage and some of those basic things. And I was like, this is a blast. This is fun. And I had a little competition with them and outsold them. I still remember that. I made it. That's probably why it made it fun. But yeah, it's it's good to get your hands dirty as a marketer anytime you can. Andy, of course, is fantastic at interacting with people digitally and on the phone. So so how long were you in OSC? Just under six years. And are wow. you, uh, and maybe I should qualify. Are, are you technically still in OSC plus? Technically, yes. Okay. Depends OSC on when this plus is plus. Nice. depends on when this is airing. There'll be some news <laughs> coming out on Monday. Um, so uh, that I don't know if this will air before then, but I'll be transitioning to a sales manager position uh, on Monday. Awesome. Well, that's that's like that preview of coming attractions. We'll talk more yeah. about that in a minute. But so how long, uh, I guess, until Monday will that be? Six years. Six okay. years just doing the grind every day of talking to leads and setting up appointments and just crushing crushing content as well. So one of the other kind of nuances of my job is I take all of the pictures of our inventory homes and we'll sell five to 600 houses a year. So that's probably 200 plus inventory homes. So something I think that it's kind of a rub, like, oh, you're not dedicated to the ISA position if you're out taking pictures and all that. But the way I look at it is I've seen every single inventory house that we've sold over the last six years. And so if a customer calls you in... don't really do that. Stop. Okay. I, I've been watching... pictures you know, of everyone. Cli- every yeah, single one? I've been watching clips of Elf to get ready for the holiday season. <laughs> uh, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You, no, you, don't. you don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> how, how is that possible? Because I we talk to people... I know how it's possible, of course, because I've seen you do it. But uh, there's so many people who just photography... Like, do you have a passion for it? I mean, regardless, if you didn't have that role, is photography and content creation something you enjoy doing anyway? It is. Or why do you think... How, how does that work for you? Because it doesn't work for 99% of the people. I think because of my background being in journalism, there's a lot of correlation between journalism and content creation. Because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you're trying yeah. to tell a story to get someone excited. There's a lot of great journalists and a lot of poor journalists. The good ones are going to be able to get someone excited about what they're writing about. And that's basically what we're trying to do with inventory photos or drone photos or Matterport tours or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Just get them excited enough to call, email, or drive out and look at the models. So um, that's sure. a passion of mine. And I think it stems from Kevin's point about doing this for three years already and actually managing the content. It gives you a whole nother appreciation. And I've actually then tried to... Yesterday, actually, I went shopping for luxury apartments just to see what that process was like in downtown Columbus. And it's a completely broken process. And bad model hours, inconsistent signage, can't find things. And it all comes back to just having good content. And these apartments, they have no, no... I didn't see a single Matterport tour, which if you're selling a fixed apartment, that's the same thing every single time. Why would you not have a Matterport yeah. tour? And it's luxury. Even more reason to like yeah. get people excited about well, it. How I long does it <laughs> I don't know you? that anyone's made an apartment building in the last 10 years that hasn't worn luxury in front of that's, that's true. That's true. I, I mean, think these, everything... These is... were three and $4,000 a month. So 
these are more than what some of oh, our wow, home buyers man. are paying. That's well, that's a luxury price point. And and you're absolutely right in terms of the growth process. Jackie um, from Seattle, who was on a couple months ago now, um, mm-hmm. she also she she does this marketing uh, process and, and works for a home builder, but also the home builder builds for for lease apartments, and she does the same process, and it, it blows everything else out of the water because it, it is very similar, and they are broken for sure. How long does it take you to photograph a home on average? Um, if it's Play a it. finished spec, mm-hmm. maybe ten minutes. Ten minutes. Yeah, I got. I got. <laughs> Lightning I, fast. So, yeah. so I, I was expecting okay. like eh, like no. three hours. You know, you got to make sure the light's perfect and like it's gonna take your entire day. But ten, yeah, I'll, so, I'll double that. Twenty well, minutes. Let's, let's talk about equipment. Equipment too. But before that, like I just uh, for people who don't know who you are and are, are thinking, yeah, right. Still, MI has what five communities here in Central Ohio? How many? How many? Like how 20. many communities? How many? What generally? What are we talking about in terms of numbers? Communities, leads. Yeah. Twenty kind of communities, probably two hundred ish leads okay. a month. Um, and like I said, we'll sell between five and six hundred houses a year. Okay, so that objection oh. out there, right? Go ahead, get to it, everyone out there. Um, Ten minutes <laughs> per home if it's completely finished. If it's not finished, then I'm guessing it, it just depends. Because if I'm having to move two by fours around, I try to clean them up mm. as best Wait, as I you can. You do that too? Yeah. You, you don't just you hard take pictures and put up put it up with all the two by fours and the blue tape and the trash bags and the and the pee bottle from the framer who just used the iced tea <laughs> and stuck it back corner. No, because I'm going to be the, the person getting the phone call that says, "Is that house really built? Is that actually that one?" Uh-huh. Um, or that doesn't look very good. And so I do whatever I can to, because I also don't want to drive there a second time. So I'd rather make it look twice as nice than get back to the office and upload them and someone say, oh, you got to take those down. That looks like crap. So um, yeah, I, I use a Nikon camera with a big pro photo flash that's rechargeable. So I can, I can. Oh, you're a Nikon guy. For some reason, I thought you were Canon. Nikon oh. all the way. Well, I, I like you oh, even more now. And so I basically like. I have, a, I, I also shoot in the same order that I'm going to upload them to the website in Zillow that's is that I kind of, because so some people yeah. will shoot the base first and then they'll do the master bedroom and it's haphazard and all over but i know the story that i'm trying to tell and so i'll shoot the house in that exact order so that way my post is just all right what is your magical order sir um i usually like this depends on the house and the layout typically the kitchen then into the family room and then i'll backtrack into the dining room den and then work my way up to the master auxiliary bedrooms and so really how people would look at it in real life like in person they walk like let's see the kitchen and they'll just go around this way what's order of importance yeah a lot of our foyers really aren't that all exciting tip i would love to start kind of sh- looking into the house but mm-hmm. um, a lot of times they're just it's not that exciting and I start with gotcha. the thing the hot button for most people which is going to be the kitchen uh, and then I think of- everyone has that experience in their own life obviously of walking through the front door or when you're going to someone else's house for an event or, or something and that there is something special about walking in and seeing that but it does does not translate well even wide angle lens camera it's kind of it feels more factual maybe it's because it's not decorated but visually your eyes just can take it in so much faster whereas the kitchen is definitely it's, it's one the most interesting thing visually all the different mm-hmm. Textures and colors, regardless of whether it's finished or not, but also just that's where we know inherently you're going to spend a lot of time, and yep. so we're more critical about details there. Want order. So I still let, let me ask you a question. Just some uh, coaching call we had the other day. Uh, floor plans on the website, so not not inventory homes, uh, not homes under construction, but home plans that could be built. If you've built 150 of them over the last three years, how does a real OSC who's going to get these calls feel about putting a real photo of that house versus the rendering on a floor plan to be built? As just as the initial, you'd still have the renderings there somewhere else on the page, but as that kind of like... So something that we're, I don't know if it's launched yet or not, but it was really a representational photo. So you'll have your main one, two, three main street, and this is it. But then down below, mm-hmm. here's a gallery of images of the 150 of this plan that we've built. Yep. So you can really get an idea of, hey, here's what the one looks like that it might look a uh, rendering, but then here's actually some great photos. And to me, the one thing that most builders do a bad job and ourselves included is showing finished, built and landscaped and mature exteriors mm-hmm. to show... 
because we offer three or four different elevations per plan and then 12 different colors, brick, stone. So you have probably a hundred different permutations and we show the one that we did as a model or we show the one rendering that we did and you have the mm-hmm. best content for you out on your streets. <laughs> so um, remembering yeah. that every so often we need to go back and do a shoot from the houses we sold 12 months ago that now have the grass that doesn't look like it was just sodded and trees that are got right. some leaves on them and, and make yeah. really more. And to your point on that page, if you're saying here's this inventory home, but then here are five other exteriors that we thought we loved, then who's not going to buy it? I just think the, the emotional mm-hmm. level, like if we had a, something wired in someone's brain and you're liking everything you're seeing, the galleries, the Matterports, the videos, and then you you decide that you want to build the home yourself, customize it, personalize it. And then you go to the floor plan page, you're just smacked with these flat 3D rendering images. It's just instantly kind of like uh, in comparison it, to the rest of the site. Yeah. And you're left looking for more. You're like looking more and more and more. Like we're, we're building right now and our builder, big public builder, number seven or something. And you terrible talk, content. your wife talked to the CEO already. That's really impressive. <laughs> we'll get, we'll talk about that some other time. She's we will. Yeah. Yeah, which is I'm like, who called you? I'm I'm like, no, 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 no. There's no way that the CEO of this company who builds X Mount called you. She's she's something. Um, so I we've gone we have our design studio appointment next week, and we're looking at other builder websites for inspiration of like, well, what kitchens do we like? Because this builder site is so terrible on their content. I'm like, this is crazy, and they have Matterports. You just can't find them. It's it's ridiculous. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I love that. Not idea convenient. Having, and I love your point. Andy, right going there. back out and taking photos of closed homes. Mm-hmm. I remember every fall and sometimes in the spring if I was really in, in pain or need of more photos, I would literally, ideally I would go out with someone else and they would drive and I would just hang out the window, but literally just someone would keep track of note by. of the address or like just go in order from the beginning of the community and on the right hand side and just take a picture of every single home, unless there was something terrible in the front yard and just yeah. archive those images of what elevation was that, what's the address number, if there's something small that I can Photoshop out later or the corner um, that maybe is, you know, a happy birthday sign or something I need to take out, but just having access to that, it didn't all make it back to the website, but the salespeople even love that because if you've got rules about what colors can and can't be used or what mm-hmm. color schemes mm-hmm. do you like, I mean, in tools to help you visualize, that's great. But also if you've got a scheme that you, we could, we could let the salespeople look up and see, have we ever built a Stanford G elevation with stone? Okay. Let them see that actual. Yeah. Think about how cool that would be for the design center as well, to be able mm-hmm. to have the design center. Oh, yeah. you want to see this plan? Boom. All right. Now let's look at this elevation. Boom. Okay. Here are the seven colors that we've built. Yeah. And it's yeah. not, again, that you don't still want to have a tool like rendering house or others will let you visualize it, but there's just something that's still better about having real. And especially if the landscaping's mature, the trees have gotten older. Um, it's just, it's fantastic. Okay. Let's, let's get back. So final thing I'll take yeah. in the pictures that I think, so it's, like I said, it's a hot point where people say, Oh, you're not dedicated. I can tell you everything about every single one of our floor plans that we build. We probably have 50 different floor plans, but if you say, <laughs> I want this type of floor plan with this concept or this and the kitchen this uh-huh. way, my brain mm-hmm. also is a little bit different. But since I've been in all of the homes over the last few years, I can tell you exactly which floor plan is going to be the best fit for you. And I think that's something that you can't really train on because if you just go, oh, we're going to go out and look at models today and you walk in and you you look up, you look left, you look right. You're not Mm -hmm. really learning that floor plan. But once you've Mm -hmm. actually tried to take pictures and sell and talk about what's unique about it, I can now articulate any single one of our floor plans. Mm -hmm. No, I think absolutely. And and actually, Andy is the one that many of you should be thanking. And I try to give him credit whenever I'm talking about it. But he was the first one at one of our Dream Bean uh, breakfast to say, have you heard about this website called Box Brownie? Nice. I was like, this is magical. So, it is you know, magical. it's a, it's an amazing tool for a couple bucks a photo to really punch it up to the next level. If you don't have the skill set to do it on your own in Photoshop or just don't want to spend the time two bucks. I don't even tell people that I do box brownie now. I just deliver the finished product and I say, oh, look how great this house looks. And they're like, wow, that looks really good. <laughs> yeah. I thought that the other day it didn't have grass. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, just, yeah. just screw, just screw. Do you send everything to box brownie or do you, I'm sure you're skilled and like you could 
Photoshop, help open up Photoshop. And click, I, click, 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 I click. can do skies myself. I don't mm-hmm. have the patience to do grass. So if it's something that needs grass, I'll send it over to them. But uh, but you wouldn't put grass on a house that doesn't actually have grass yet. Put on your website. He's smiling. I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I would say that. It just depends on the house. If it's a house that we got to get sold, and I want to make it look good. Yeah, and, no, of and, course you and, would. Don't do, feel sad. A third of the photo is mud. Of course, I'm going to put it, some grass. Uh, it, on. it will if have the builder, grass when it's sold. If the builder's never going to put in grass, then I wouldn't necessarily do that. I still would because someone's. But if I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all, as long as you're put somewhere on the page that hey, this turk seed will be installed at a later date or you know, especially I, I, this time of year in Columbus, the pictures of exteriors are pretty bleak if it's got no grass right. and the sky's gray. And so uh, yeah. Box Brownie can totally take a photo that you're like, eh, and make it yeah. really inspiring. And uh, I would do it all day. Happy what about um, community overview shots uh, away from specific inventory homes? Do you do much of that as well? Um, yeah. So I also fly a drone. And so with the drone, um, I'll do some really cool kind of flying through the you're neighborhood. Pilot too. This is crazy. Well, officially, <laughs> yeah. He's not like I own a drone that I sometimes fly around. I've seen you with big badge, like you're, you're licensed. FAA certified. Yeah. He is legit, which means you could pretty much fly a plane. Basically. Maybe better because one of my friends is an airline pilot uh, for mm-hmm. the limited. Uh, the CEO, Les Wexner, flies him around and, and other folks. And, and um, he bought a drone for his birthday or something and flew it for the first time and ran it into his next door neighbor who was mowing his lawn because hmm. pilots don't ever have to fly like like backwards, you know, like you're, oh, they're yeah. always in the cockpit flying first person view out of the plane. And so he got totally turned around and crashed his drone. Wow. Even though he's, he actually used to fly Air Force One, this guy. Oh, it was amazing. And he yeah. killed his neighbor almost. With and him. he can't fly a drone. <laughs> so I think he'd be good, Andy. But yeah, I think it's in today's yeah. world for neighborhoods of our scale, it's such a no brainer to have aerial pictures that show the layout that yeah. is able to help you show your premium home site. So we actually use the aerial pictures That's when cool. setting our lot premiums because you can look on the ground and say, oh, that looks like a nice lot. But if you put it up 50, 100 feet, you can then really appreciate how deep those trees are. Oh, there's a creek back there. Or mm-hmm. wow, there's no house for how far and and really start to see what's unique about each lot that yeah. you can't tell from the ground. Yeah. You know, you can, That's there's good. just such great stage setting shots, atmospheric shots. You don't live in a drone, so you don't want a whole, you know, two minute video of just drone shots, but to set the stage uh, and, and to capture attention, there, there's nothing better. That also reminds me of a fantastic story that I've never shared publicly. But one time, the very first drone that I ever bought, I think it was a DJI Inspire 1, I sold to uh, one of the builders that we went to. I would take it with me to try to capture footage for folks when I went for my on-site visits. And they were like, can we buy this from you with all the kit and the extra upgrades and stuff? And I was like, sure, go ahead. So they, they mm. kept it. And then the sales manager who bought it from me uh, with the builder's money had left and went to another builder. And we go back for a second visit and the drone is gone. And Mike Lyon mm. actually was the one who he was asking, like, how's the drone working out? He said, oh, oh, I sold that and traded it in for a gun because <laughs> no one else knew how to use it. So he thought, I'd rather have a new hunting uh, rifle than, than a drone. That's home builders, right? Rounders. Andrew, I've joked with Gun Kevin before that uh, he has his book, Presale Without Fail, that mm-hmm. for a couple of years, I probably could have written a book on presale with fail. Um, <laughs> presale. Because I like it. <laughs> just what, what not to do. A company that was just any builder after the recession, just trying to figure out scale and building demand. Um, so we did a lot of things the wrong way. And I think now we've we, we oh, followed the book it. pretty uh, close. Yeah, let's talk about that. As an OSC, there's a lot of questions. Like, we, It's amazing to me how many online salespeople don't seem to want to be a leader in the process. They definitely want the appointments and they want the sales that come from it. Mm-hmm. And they're more than happy to be the person taking the leads and holding the list. But in terms of having a voice, just talk about the amount of effort. And I don't, I don't know what your answer will be, but I'm imagining there's a lot of effort on your part to keep everyone focused 
consistent because everyone's going in different directions and you're stuck in the middle. And sometimes when this doesn't happen, we'll have an online salesperson who's done all the work, done all the setup. And then the sales manager will just decide, you know what, we're going to open it up the normal way and they lose out on everything. And, and they just send out an email or just kind of goes wonky. So talk about like the amount of energy that it has taken in your end to, to make that process a reality. Because now you guys crush it. Yeah, now we crush it. Um, I think it's really setting clear goals before you even buy the land and really how many are we going to sell when we grand open? Because everything you do really works back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow Mike's kind of parameter funnel for conversion rate. And it's a little bit different for the VIP because sometimes yeah. you'll have an A plus location that you'll just get the people that wish it was $200,000 lesser than what it's going to be. But if you follow the process, really, it's getting the sales manager to believe in it. And if you say, hey, we're gonna, we want to sell 10 houses, I want to do whatever I can do to get that net result of 10 houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all if you follow the book, it's it's all right there. It's getting people excited. It's uh, but people get nervous if if it's not how they typically do things. So I'm just what I'm curious about is I'm I'm guessing at times you've had to have some more direct conversations with people like hey let's remember the plan stick let's stick to the plan here's why like you kind of have to remind those folks because they will get antsy they will and I think we're fortunate enough now that we've had a couple of unicorns where we've sold twenty or thirty at yeah. grand opening that nice. now we just I just remember, remember what we did for Community X oh yeah that's right and yeah. so um, granted if you don't have a unicorn yet then it's hard to reference that but uh, I know th- you have to have that positive experience and that's why I stress so mm-hmm. much to people who think that this is going to magically create unicorns is it's just going to make it better and you can learn from it so you know that's it doesn't have to be selling 20 but if you can sell five and then explain and people understand why you sold the five and how this worked and then what might change differently and just have something that prevents a cowboy or cowgirl sales manager or owner of coming in the last minute and saying let's throw all that away and just do this other stuff I also like to talk to customers and see what other builders in our marketplace are doing for the pre-sale process um, one of them a large national builder in town was doing a process where if you wanted to potentially buy on grand opening you told them what plan elevation and structural options you were going to do and from there they then took uh, they figured out what calculated your gross profit and then that's who they decided was going to be getting the house so if you were a lower gross and there profit, was transparency of that to the customer of like whoever like you have the degree to... of transparency I'm not sure but somehow I got out that that was the process and basically <laughs> a customer a... called me upset wow. saying I didn't get the house because my house wasn't profitable enough to them um, and so wow. taking those learnings and understanding the pain points in your mm. marketplace about how other people are doing it that way then when I create an amazing process that's super transparent yeah. then it's a home run and holy cow I mean I could that's if crazy. you were like on drugs reading chapter two or three of the book you, I could see someone maybe thinking like well that's what Kevin said I did <laughs> say to ever make that transparent in any Same. way in terms of wow that's that's something else yeah. that is crazy that yeah that's like a terrible just don't i don't know don't have those floor plans that don't make you as much money like i don't know that's not the easy solution but like if they're doing that just well that's only supposed to be it's the like, absolute tiebreaker right if yeah. if everyone and that's where most of the time how many times have you had to have a true lottery and all the times you've done resale andy where you've been like at the end of the day there's people legit want to just fight each other over the same four in the last 12 months and how many at least how many lots you mean how, how many um communities yeah, have you done the pre-sale process? Four, all four of them. Okay. So hundred we're to the point now where I'm able to create enough urgency and excitement that every new opening has a lottery. Sometimes there are five sales, so the lottery isn't as exciting. Other times there are 20 some people and we're having to shut it off. And So you're so just, pre-sale about fail certified, like yes. <laughs> level 100. What I have to remind our team though, and so some of them do better than others, is that that grand opening day, that's, that's like the easy part. And yeah, so it's really that beginning. sustained thing over the next, yeah. let's call it 12 months. And so we have one, I'll call it mega unicorn. It's the number one selling subdivision in all of central Ohio over the last 
12 months because we've we sold however many at grand opening but then we've been doing six seven eight a month yeah. every single month and so wow. that's, that's really where the monster and the excitement is and that's, that's because good. you did the lottery the right way so sometimes we yeah. have that discussion with builders we're partnering with of what happens if you need to be in that scenario you still need to have a lottery but you have to i mean you could have a lottery and just tick a bunch of people off who say like you talked about that other builder i'm never coming back yeah. because this was terrible you just can't you can't put the urgency that's legitimate on yourself and feel guilty about it but you also don't have to be a jerk like talked about with fisher inviting people into the office and giving them food and blow up mattresses and the rest yeah, because cool. they're still going to talk and, and they might not win the lottery the first time but you don't want them to feel defeated you want to still be excited about when they have a chance to the to other nuance to lottery that we do that i don't know it wasn't explicitly in the book is that before someone enters a lottery they tell us exactly which home plan elevation and lot they want and their f- top three of each of those mm-hmm. that way then if they're number nine on the list you can still call them and say congratulations you got one of your top three picks so yeah. you're setting the expectation that yeah, they might not get their first pick because mm-hmm. if you tell give me your number one number one number one and that's the chances of that happening are obviously yeah. diminishing like, as you get further down the list and setting. so you're, you're setting them up to fail but if you do the opposite where you get their top three yeah. or four you can then call them and be congratulations you are number x in the and lottery again, let's let's clarify this because this is important the lottery when you're doing the lottery they're essentially already saying i'm going to buy like you're not giving them a lottery to have a chance to maybe purchase it's like hey we're doing this when this happens right it's not like you're going to then get your chance of of maybe signing a contract we actually take a deposit to enter the lottery so that you are see that's that's what i'm talking about so it's it's in and that's another important differentiation is a lot of people that Mm -hmm. i've seen do the lotteries and fail it's we don't know any of that we don't have any deposit it's just you were the first one to raise your hand so you get the first place in line or of the hundred people who yeah. are the most interested, you get your first place in line. And now let's have the meeting where we talk about, do you want to buy or not? Cause this is your chance. And they're like, ah, and they, so if that first or second or third person gets cold feet, then you get that negative momentum that can build backwards where the now number six gets in there and says, well, why didn't there should be five homes sold if I'm number six and there's only one, maybe this isn't smart. So I think that's, those yeah. are the nuances that you will learn from if you have some type process that you're working on. Like Andy, that. we're starting to get tight on time, but okay. I, I, I want to ask a couple or some more OSC specific questions before we switch to where what you're doing next in the sales manager role and what that, that looks like from a career growth perspective. If you're out in the field a lot, obviously you're mobile and and were you always that way or how long were you in the role before you started to feel comfortable being out and about, taking pictures, doing what you need to do and just being able to answer the call on your phone and know that you'll be able to get people majority information. It was probably about two years that it took me to really kind of free myself up. I joke that when I first was an OSC, I was working seven days a week and I slept with my phone on loud underneath my pillow because I was that addicted to the game. Uh, Thankfully, I sleep with my phone on silent now and it's on my nightstand charging. But uh, I think that's just an analogy that I try to remind myself that I've come a long way because it's very easy to get addicted to the high of setting appointments and selling houses, which I did, which is a great thing to do, but only in moderation, just like any addiction. Um, (laughs) And so I I have a home office that I crush from. And so that really is my spot that when I go in there, I know I'm going to be successful. I got my dedicated VOIP phone. I got my big 27-inch display, notepads, and it's just it's got yeah. my organization how I need it. Um, Is it as but, cool as Kevin's office? Oh, I bet it's. Um, I don't remember. Know. I didn't build this house. I just came. Here. <laughs> I, my <laughs> house is 115 years old. So except for Andy, um, um, no, it works. I got a standing sitting desk, and I got actually the nice. same chair as Kevin now, the Herman oh. Miller. Oh man, that yeah. That Are they nice. sponsoring this podcast now officially? <laughs> But but I'm also very efficient on my phone, having saved templates and emails and things like that. So if I am out in the neighborhood and someone calls,
calls that I can fire off a save message really quickly. Also always have my laptop with me so that if I need to pop into a model and send some emails, follow up, whatever it happens to be that I'm able to do it officially. I also drive a Tesla, Andrew. I don't know if you knew that fun fact about me. I don't. So it drives itself. So now I can just like set appointments and sell houses while I'm being taken places. You're you're very process oriented. Um, Yes. I I can hear right now certain people like Ingrid going straight into the office or the next time she's in the office and saying, I Tesla. (laughs) I need a Tesla. (laughs) Why not? And you will have to pay for it. I think that makes sense. More efficient. I also, to your point too, I also, obviously it's with all the things I do, I work a lot, but I also am really efficient in the late hours and the early hours. So I do a lot of that follow up and crushing um, in the evening. And that's actually when I get the most responses from leads because they're Mm -hmm. also sitting with their iPad watching bad TV. And so that's when I'll get some of my best. So usually like 7.30 to 9.30, I'll usually try to carve out some time and just do some dedicated follow up. A lot of times I'm just watching TV as well and just kind of getting through emails and things like that. So a little bit different process, not the most um, kind of nine to five mindset, more of an entrepreneurial mindset, but it seems to work for me. As someone who's moving on to management, I'm going to ask you a, a question that I would ask any other manager, which is if your online sales program had had 500 leads coming in with one person, would your answer be, well, how, how would you solve that? Would you solve that with technology only, i.e. chatbots or some other lead scoring, automatic marketing automation? Would you, what would you do? If the number is the number actually 500 or is that a yeah. made up number? No, that's the real number. At 500, it's more than one person because I, I really believe there there's two things with that. One, there's such thing as too many leads because mm-hmm. at some point you're have you're going to have some sources in there that are lower quality. And right. so figuring out how you can be more efficient with spend to not necessarily get those leads. But two, I really believe, especially with a compensation model that makes sense both for the company and the OSC that is incentive based, that you get a second OSC in there, you're going to sell incremental houses and set appointments all day. And so um, part of my transition is that now I will be overseeing one and hopefully then here soon too, and depending on the growth, multiple OSCs. And so yeah. really taking my learnings and getting yeah. them to be jazzed cool. up about it. That makes me so happy. I was I was talking to someone who was a, a high up executive in marketing outside of our industry and just talking a little bit about that. And they were kind of like, well, why wouldn't you just stick in, you know, have pre-written automated solutions to give answers? And I'm like, this is a house. And I'm like, I know, but yeah. every other industry does it. And I'm like, but this is a house. This is a house. <laughs> and, Half a million dollars. Yeah, and like once it does, I still, I know the reality is there are lower quality lead sources. Absolutely. But as that lead source has a price point and a location in it, then I still feel like the one thing that's different about what we do is if I'm asking you a question about a house, you are shopping for a house. And I know that sounds dumb, so I'll say it another way. I'm talking to people now about these amazing new television sets that are out there that like they disappear on the wall. And it's like 75 inches, amazing color, brightness, Hmm. all that stuff. Then it disappears when you don't use it or can become artwork or just it's amazing. And every time I talk about that with someone else, I start the conversation with, now I'm not going to buy a new TV, but, and then I talk about all the stuff in the, in the research that I've done on televisions. The reality is I'm going to buy a TV. It may not be six months or a year from now. It may be next week when we record the next episode. And if I asked a question to someone about it, the tele, I just think in that, if you can follow along with me, I just think when someone asks a question about a house or raises their hand for more information for something that expensive, that complex, they may not be ready now. I just don't think to say that they're not a good lead is different than not a ready lead. Do you agree with that? Or am I? Well, so I, I think one of the interesting things as I've brought on someone to backfill for me in the OSC role is that one of her first months before she was getting new leads, all she was doing was calling backlog. And to your point, she sold Fine. three houses from calling leads, from calling people in our database that, that most people have said, oh, those are junk leads. They're not interested in buying a house. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that there are three sales a month that are already in the system that no one's talking to, at, at least if not to meet your entire budget. But, but they're being taught 
talked to right now. That's exactly my point. They're they're still being talked to, but they're being talked to only by marketing via Correct. these mass emails. And she was picking up mm-hmm. the phone and calling these people. Exactly. And, and it's so different because I can't think of the last time that I really engaged with a mass email, but I buy a lot of things. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so for example, in the month of September, she made 400 outbound phone calls to just old leads and prospects and did peanut butter, jelly, chips and salsa, yeah. making sure that they also got a personalized email from her. And, and so I think having that foundation, and it's a great way to start any new OSC, because now I remind her when she's getting busy with this and that and getting mm-hmm. pulled, I say, hey, let's take a couple hours and let's go back to, we call it the September, where all she was doing was following up with old leads. And yep. you can't forget about that. So to your point, yeah, as much as I'd love to get leads, 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 they're not going to all buy houses today. We, we, we couldn't afford yeah. for them to all buy houses today because we can't build 500 houses in a month. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's where the, the promise of, of automation and AI, you know, the hope is one day they'll be able to help with some of that outbound, you know, when it does sound like a real human being and you can check in. But in the meantime, it's it's not ready yet. It's not there. And so mm. to respond to inbound leads with automation to me is like they're brand new. Yeah, Let someone crazy. figure that out. So the one thing Mike talks about it a lot and it's still crazy. You guys do your annual research that says that people still don't do it. It's picking up the phone and calling people. If I get a new lead that comes in with a phone number, yeah. I'm converting them to appointment. 100% would be a little cocky, but like a very, <laughs> very, very high percentage. 120% maybe. Because <laughs> uh, your point, they're reaching out. They have a specific question about a location, a neighborhood, da, 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 da. And mm-hmm. they just, they want to talk to someone. And so if they're giving you their phone number in today's world, I get more spam calls and I get real calls. If I'm giving someone yeah. my phone number, that's a big moment in my life because I must really want something to happen with that. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy yeah. that the 90 some percent of people still don't pick up the phone and call people. So that if I were to say anything that would attribute success is calling new leads within five minutes, yeah. you, you will be successful if you just do that. Just answer the phone yep. or call them in five minutes. And yeah. she did uh, those numbers again. That was like 400 outbound calls last month. Three sales resulted from that, say a million in revenue. I don't know what the home sold yeah. for, but yeah, I think any other that. industry would be like, that's amazing. Like say software as a service, like, you know, that's, that's big on the sales side. Like they'd be like three new contracts worth a million dollars. Okay, cool. That's, I think that's still like, that's huge. That's like, that's, that's a lot. And the way that we set it up for her to do was that we looked at it as a segment. So I said, Hey, here's mm-hmm. a list of 150 leads for a specific neighborhood over yeah. the past X number of months. And so that when she was calling, we had a script, she knew yeah. what she was going to be talking about. Cause if you try to just follow up broadly with 150 random people, every time you're trying to remember, okay, what do we call, what's new there? Let's, so we had some, yeah. there was news that we opened up a new phase, new floor plans, da, 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 da. That way then she got in a rhythm. And so she started picking up speed and was able to leave voicemails mo- more effectively. And you could use call rail and other things like that to, to even For increase sure. your efficiency beyond. I think Mike said this, but, or maybe Kevin, you, I don't know, someone, one or you two, like there's always an excuse to make a call. And here I am like on the marketing side, like never, uh, yeah, that's, I, that's I made four calls one. when I, but there's always an excuse. I remember that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, that Mike talks a lot about that. And that there's makes always it, an excuse. Makes it easy. Like, here's my excuse. Like, hey, there's a new floor plan. Oh, that's the one we really wanted, but there was no model. So we couldn't commit. My, my follow up punch to that though, is you don't even need an excuse. Like just being persistent with your presence of whenever you're ready, I'm ready. Cause that's um, something as simple yeah. as uh, the front stoop of our house was um, dropping down. It was like three inches below the actual porch because dummy who originally built the house tried to put it in his own irrigation system. And so everything is settled all around the house. And I, it's going to cost $300 to pump it back up. Mm-hmm. And I called and, and left a message and said, Hey, I'd like you information about this. That person had to call me back. I'm not, I'm not proud of this. They had to call me back three times over the next week and a half. And I still never answered. And, but you, you know what was. that did? Yeah. Then when my wife was like, are we ever going to solve that? I was like, yeah. And I forwarded the voicemail. She called back, got it scheduled. If that person hadn't continued to follow up, I would have completely been off the radar. Mm-hmm. And so for a $300 call, and when they did the, I was like, you tell that, that gal that she did an awesome job. She did better at following up than most home builders do. And he was like, wow, that's 
amazing. Yeah. I have a plumber that I use that anytime you call, they also, it's crazy that companies still do this. They see your phone number calling it. Hey, Andy, how can we help you today? Because I'm in their system and they can see that That's the right. same phone number is calling yeah. them. How's your, and they how's send your you, toilet? Yeah. <laughs> call and you get about it. So, um, and they send you a text when the driver's on the way that you can follow them. It's an app called Service Titan. And to your point, mm. it's just a great experience. And I would recommend that plumber to anyone because that's one of the most annoying things with contractors is when are they going to show up? Are they going to... Mm-hmm. And they send me a follow-up email before the appointment. They send me a follow-up email after the appointment to give my uh, technician a survey. Yeah. And so, at the end of the day, you're only paying them what? $89, hopefully, for that drain clean that I keep doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, and the, the customer service for home builders, that whole experience is broken. And I, anytime I get a chance to say it, I have to. It's not going to be solved by some amazing wow thing. It's doing everything right all the way through and make as easy as possible all the way through. Sure. And kind of like reviews for home builders are very similar to reviews for a doctor. I think more that I've thought about this, you know, how do you review your doctor? Cause you're not dead yet or you still have both arms. No, you mm-hmm. review by the bedside manner and their responsiveness. And cause something's going to, you're mm-hmm. going to get sick. So you don't blame the doctor for getting sick. Something's going to go wrong in the process of building a home. Sure. And it's all about the bedside manner and the responsiveness and the relationship that's built that works through that situation. That's going to, that's, that's going to impact the experience as much as the actual experience. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is going to be a long one, but a good one, Andy. So you're, yeah. you're moving on and it's okay to be an online salesperson your entire career. There's nothing wrong with that, especially mm-hmm. you make great money. You've got flexibility in your schedule. You are a master craft, but you are moving on. And uh, you said sales manager and, and kind of why do you want to head down that direction or what's, what's your, what's your next step? Why, why are you going that direction? So way? I think something you've heard is I'm very operational and kind of logistic oriented. So mm-hmm. I think it's really an opportunity to take and enhance our pre-sale without fail process even further and really being able to manage that kind of more horizontally rather than just what I could control in the OSC role. Uh, Managing people, I'm really excited to manage multiple OSCs and take what I've learned and talked about here and really get them excited and hopefully see incremental growth from that. Um, We have a couple new urban projects coming that's super unique for us in our 42 year history. So um, I live downtown, so I'm very familiar with demographic location buyer. So um, taking my insight and knowledge on that and helping those projects take off and just home building technology is something that still is hard to accept and embrace. And so hopefully I'll be able to coach and mentor our NHCs on how to use technology more effectively, things like auto dialers and all that, mm-hmm. where we're still doing a lot of things really inefficiently. So I'm excited about the opportunity just to kind of expand my knowledge bank. Wow. Next up, division president. There you go. That's or my own not. home builder. Why not? Or your own home builder. <laughs> awesome. So Andy, uh, if people want to connect with you, what's your favorite social platform? We'll, we'll put links to LinkedIn, uh, but anywhere. Yeah, I like Instagram because as a professional photographer, I think I post pretty good content there. So it's it's pretty easy. It's OSU Pix, P-I-X. Awesome. OSU Pix. All right. Nice. Thanks for stopping by. Definitely. Thanks yeah, for having obviously. me. Obviously. And uh, let's go meet Zilla the dog. There we go. <laughs> See ya. See ya. See ya. See ya.